Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. Buckle up, friends. I have a meaty, honest, fun, and enjoyable chat for you today. It's with Brooke White. We intended to chat about her recent path to working on being more intentional with her social media use. And we certainly did that, but we also found ourselves talking about how vulnerability, comparison, people-pleasing, desire to connect, seeking for validation, and insecurities, all these deep, deep things, how those all play into our use of social media. It's a little too difficult to just glaze over that we need to be better about it. We went deeper. But don't worry, this isn't a social media is inherently evil and we should never, ever use it again discussion. It's so much more than that. 
Brooke and I don't pretend to have all the answers about how social media can take more of a backseat in your life, but we do talk a lot about the why. Brooke shares her own history of using social media, both personally and for her business, and how it started a little bit more of a pure place. But even as she found much joy and validation in creating a community, and even with her good intentions, she had a series of lessons that showed her that her phone was literally getting in the way of her seeing her loved ones. And she knew she had to change. Brooke has a lot more to lose than most of us with curbing her social media use. Her large and committed following is an important part of her business as an independent musician. But Brooke shares the wisdom and being in tune with what really feels right to your soul and how you engage with this medium. Now, this chat we had was super hard to cut down. We did talk for a long time, almost two hours, but don't you worry, I did edit that down a bunch and I've also split what was left into two parts so that way you can take a breather in between if you need to, but I must insist you listen to both parts. I'm releasing both part one and part two at the same time, so you should be able to listen to part two directly after to hear about what Brooke did to actually curb her social media use, as well as her big struggles to own who she is and love who she is. And that, my friends, is some of the most beautiful things I've ever heard on the podcast. Let's get to my time now with Brooke. I want to welcome Brooke White to the show. Hi, Brooke. Hello. How's it going? It's it's going great. I'm almost hearing you singing just as how how you're saying hello. Um, <laughs> I love that. Can you start yeah, by introducing I can't yourself? Get away from it. Well, you yeah, it's who you are. So so tell us more who you are for people who have been under a rock. Oh man. Um, well, I'm just a girl. <laughs> I'm just a human. Yeah. I'm like it's like a beginning of a <laughs> of a no dead yeah out song. I'm just a girl. Yeah, I live in California with my my husband who I've been married to for. 14 years now I have two kids I have a six-year-old she just turned six just finished her last day of kindergarten Aww. totally cried at that yeah. and then I have a 21 month old Sunny. Mm-hmm. and also I just love a lot of things I um music being probably at the top of that list outside of family I just mm-hmm. I'm like obsessed with music and um I'm a singer-songwriter, I guess I should say. I started, Mm -hmm. a lot of people um, might, or I should say a medium amount of people (laughs) might remember I was on American Idol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, it just depends on where, I don't know, like some people do and some people don't. Like, it's been 10 years already, so it depends how old you are, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, too. Like, it's hilarious. I get these messages from, like, 20-year-olds, and they're like, I was 10 and oh, it's just weird. You're like, no, please don't say that. Not to like, yeah, feel old about it. But, you mm-hmm. know, I do a little bit. Um, yeah, so I was on American Idol season seven. I was fifth place. Yeah, same season as David Archuleta for yeah. people that are trying to put it together. That was a crazy, crazy, wild, life-changing, life-altering, um, super crucial experience for me to have in my life. Um, I don't think I could do it again if I had to, but I'm so glad that I did it. Yeah. And um, we'll see. Yeah, I went on to just continue to make music. I um, I started my own record label, June Baby Records, mm-hmm. and uh, right afterwards and released um, a record and then a couple other records. And then I started a band called Jack and White. 
had like eight in total. I can't remember how many, but just did some little movies made for TV movies. And, and then I started a show called the, the girls with glasses, which is a web series. And um, yeah, so I do the girls with glasses and, you know, since I've had my children, I, um, I've kind of slowed my role down a little bit. Um, Cause I felt like I got off of American Idol and I didn't sit down for like eight years. I bet, <laughs> I bet you like did. I just kept going. Um, I had my first, she was a total complete surprise. Um, and a, and a beautiful one. We were married for eight years before we had our first. I never imagined waiting that long to have a baby. I just mm-hmm. never imagined. I never imagined I'd be on a title. I never imagined yeah. I'd, you know, uh, do anything on that kind of scale or make music my, my dream. Like, I always loved music, but never felt worthy of, like, sharing it with people. I've always had major, like, self-doubt issues and yeah. confidence struggles. And so... Yeah, it was kind of a really long road, and I had to walk that road, I think, for a long time and do some really important things that I just, again, never could have dreamed I would have done. And then, yeah, then I had a baby, and um, she really changed my life, and as, you know, kids do in my path. And then we thought, oh, you know, we've been married for this long, and we should just probably really get going here. And I thought I was going to have another baby right away afterwards, and couldn't get pregnant for over three years and mm. discovered we had secondary infertility. And, um, it was a, you know, it was a rough time. It was a fairly dark time. And then, um, ended up, you know, going the IVF route after lots of consideration and, um, went through that, that experience. And then, which brought me to Sonny, who is, you know, he is literal sunshine. Yeah. So right now I'm currently, um, I'm working on a new record that I'm hoping is going to be done in August or be released in August. So oh, I'm so excited for that. I've loved the um, hints you've given us. Well, there's so much I would love to chat with you about what I've loved seeing over the last few years is you just sharing so much of your heart, so much of your struggles, so much of you figuring out who you are, these many sides to you that you need to, to, um, work on and improve upon. But what we're here today is to talk about your use of social media. You you do have a very committed, engaged following, both personally and with Girls With Glasses. It's become a, a big part of your career and, and who you are to share on there. And we're going to talk about how you learned to, that you needed to curb it and what that has looked like. But first, I would love mm-hmm. to chat about way back, you know, when this was all starting, what social media was like right. at, at the beginning. Um, how did it gradually gradually become something that was more of a professional thing for you than just a personal way to connect with friends and family? So so maybe how did this start initially with your own, your beginning use of social media? Okay, so that's definitely a very interesting question. And um, looking back, you know, when I was on American Idol, social media definitely was not where it's at right now. As a matter of fact, I think the only thing that really existed, and you're going to laugh, and again, it's going to really date me, was MySpace. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. If you remember MySpace, it was like Facebook for the mm-hmm. dinosaurs, the dinosaur <laughs> era. Um, but when I was on American Idol, they didn't even allow us to have our MySpace. They froze it. And so being on a show like that is that you hope to take some sort of audience and community and fan base with Mm. you after the fact. Well, not, I didn't necessarily get a chance to do that through social media because it didn't really exist at 
like like they have it now. Um, but then after Idol, you know, fast forward a year or two, Twitter came out, and I really started using Twitter a lot to communicate with my fan base and try to go find all those people that might have remembered me from American Idol. You know, at the time, like, that's really important, especially as an independent artist. Mm. Like I mentioned before, I had started my own record label, and so I needed all the help. You know, I didn't have millions and millions of dollars Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. I needed engagement. You know, I needed people that remembered and still cared about the music and remembered me on American Idol. So my first place and Twitter's so different from Instagram. You know, it was 180 characters. You had a chance to say something and there really wasn't, you know, visual side of things. There was Mm. the photographs. And I mean, later on, you could share photos. But when you think back, it was just words. Yeah. And so um, used that and I built a pretty uh, a, a modest but but good following there, and um, towards the you know a couple of years in, Instagram came to the scene. I really did it very like oh this is fun, just sharing some pictures. You know, mm-hmm. like I didn't really think of using it professionally. Yeah, it's the Instagram kind of more is like a personal thing, and um, it, you know at the time I had no kids. I was just I was in my band. I think at that phase. And, um, just, it's funny. Like I was just looking at the very beginning of my Instagram to the early days. It was like feet up on the dash in the van, what I was eating, just really quick little captions. And it was not, you know, I used the same Nashville filter with the frame. Uh It was so simple. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it makes me laugh because it was just whatever I really wanted to share. Really. I Mm. mean, it was it was a very just kind of light experience, and then as time went on, obviously, it kind of started to evolve. I went from you know being a full time singer songwriter to finding out I was pregnant, which was a surprise, and after eight years of marriage, and um, and then going into that space, and then I started you know sharing pictures of a, a growing tummy and and thoughts on my life changing drastically with children and my identity shift and. And then, then I had the baby and then I started sharing the baby and little by little, I started seeing this space grow and, and grow. It was not just, you know, my family and my friends, but I just started kind of building and building and building. And, um, I wouldn't say I ever really was trying to build it. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like I had, was using really any growth strategies at that time. I just was literally sharing and, um, Again, it wasn't huge, but, you know, just I think having kids, I saw a birth of growth because I think there's obviously a community of women who really relate to the subject of motherhood. You know, you start getting to a place where you feel like you really need to honor your children as people and not just share everything about them. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's a hard balance to find for me because I'm such a such a sharer. And um, yeah, and then it changed. And then I started doing um, gosh, I've really, really changed so much through social media. I've gone through so many different phases. Uh, and then I started doing Girls with Glasses. Uh, well, I, I did Girls with Glasses throughout this, like I think even before Instagram. But, you know, we didn't really involve um, Girls with Glasses on Instagram for a little while. As I was doing that, I, I, we, we started uh, doing style blogging for Babbel, Disney's site. Mm-hmm. And so with that, kind of I felt a little bit more pressure to be like okay now I've you know now I'm like a style contributor blogger and I need to kind of be sharing more of that on Instagram so 
okay, maybe I should start kind of like caring about growth and all that jazz. And I was doing less music at that time. And so, yeah, I kind of, there was a little shift towards more style. I kind of fell more into that of classic, the influencer, the, you know, mm-hmm. the lifestyle, lifestyle mm-hmm. kind of Instagrammer. So yeah, I was kind of, I guess, doing that. And to be like, totally honest, like one night I was, the, the babble job was a really intense one. Um, it was a lot of work, not a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and high demand, like a lot of deadlines and mm-hmm. amounts that you're supposed to post. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of work. So I ended up, um, having so many, so much clothes in my house. I had boxes of things people had sent me, things I had bought, things I had to, I'd buy. And then sometimes I'd return. And I just had this like explosion of clothes and shoes in my home. And I got to the place where all I was thinking about was clothes and shoes Mm. and looks and pinning, look, pinning clothes and spending tons of time at the mall and tons of time on online shops. And before I knew it, I was, I was kind of felt myself slipping into this kind of overboard consumerism and sharing and, and realizing that ultimately I was really kind of pushing that in my Instagram feed or not just that, but just in my overall messaging and what I was doing out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say there's like, I'm, I'm always afraid talking about these things because I don't want anybody to, I don't want to put out like messages that feel judgmental towards people who are doing no, this you're because not. you're not, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But here's what I want. It wasn't what, right what, for what, you. Just for what, that's what it comes down to. That's yeah. what it comes down to. There was one moment one night that I was up till like three in the morning, which was not rare. It was like the really common thing. And it was like the most strong, strong impression. Stop. Hmm. This is not what I want you to do anymore. I don't want you to do this. It was literally like a strong impression. I felt uh, like it just felt like it was, I just felt God saying, I just, this is not what I want you to do. You mm-hmm. need to stop. Yeah. And, um, and so I did, I, I, you know, over the next month or so, I really started to kind of pull back. I stopped doing babble and um, really started reevaluating kind of, again, what I was sharing and, what my purpose was. Um, and, and it was hard because let me tell you, Monica, I love, I love fashion Yeah, and I love buying stuff. Like I'm Mm going to be the first to tell you that I kind of, you know, I struggle to not really love things more than I should at times. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and so having, no, it's just, it is. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, it's just finding that balance. And for me, I, I see myself kind of just tipping too far the other direction and you know it wasn't easy and then I, I gotta be honest like okay so I stopped sharing that but then the the habit of spending and and still needing like to have all these thousands of options of things to wear which also comes from the you know the American the the performing side of things like mm. this pressure to always look a certain way to dress yeah always you know it, it just all kind of was like a, I guess a snowball effect from mm-hmm. the time I was on the show till that point. Like I really sure. got out of control. Sounds like you were lost in it, you know? I was. And not even just like in, in, a, in, a, in more than one ways. And so yeah. 
and really coming from music where that had so much meaning to me and like what I felt like I was offering people through music felt really meaningful. And I think I, because I was a mom, I was looking for something that fit into my schedule and my lifestyle so that I could still be a mom and work from home. It just seemed like a natural fit, right? Yeah. To do something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I kind of just thought it was, oh, you know, this is, this is really mom friendly. And I mean, really, I can see the draw for many women out there doing it. Like it is, there's a certain level of like, okay, you know, you're at home and you can do this. Um, but it's a slip. It was just a slippery slope for me, and um, it, okay. it did. It get a lot. It got out of control. Interestingly enough, it wasn't long after that that I kind of fell into my secondary infertility time, which really took engagement to a a new place. I don't want to yeah. say or engagement, just what I was sharing, like really changed. Like it really went from like this kind of like fashion and. DIY to like kind of serious and super introspective and kind of dark at times because I was in a dark place. Yeah. You know, you kind of get to this place where you want to share the beautiful images and you want to share uplifting, positive things, but I wasn't always feeling really uplifting or I wasn't really feeling, I don't want to say not positive, but just, I was feeling kind of empty, alone, dark, you know, confused and, and, and a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety through it. Mm. And I had anxiety anyway. I was just going through a lot of transitions, like trying to figure out who I was. I think I realize now looking back that transitioning from who I was kind of as, you know, uh, just a girl and a a woman and as an artist and as just a human into a mom, there's like a major transition that happens there Mm. that sometimes I don't think we really realize how kind of it is absolutely beautiful, but it is really kind of traumatic in some ways oh, I because now we're like, you know what I mean? I guess well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I don't mean that in a way like I just, I felt really maternal and I felt really connected to my children, but I still felt like I still had this other part of me. It's hard. Cause I think also there's like some weird shame in that because you yeah. feel like you don't want to be selfish. You don't want to take away from your children in this short time that you have with them. And so like trying to process through that was, was, I think looking back in hindsight was really what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, as I'm talking right now and telling you this, I'm like, whoa, okay. That makes sense. Potentially it was that transition to like, who am I now? What do I do? And mm-hmm. there's, I think I put a lot of value in what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I doing? What am I producing? What am I creating? What am I making? What am I putting out there in the world and how is it validated? And I think that's just the honest truth. And so as a mom, I think many women, you know, it, you do sort of feel invisible to a certain degree in the world. Um, I know we're very loved by our children, but even there's sometimes where your children don't even really, you know what I mean? You're just yes. doing your thing. You're plugging away each day, doing your thing. And it's like, don't get me wrong. I, I think it's, I really have seen other the other side of like going out there, doing the career. I've I've stayed in hotel rooms alone, you know, just for months and months on end with nobody and it was a very solitary experience. I've had no one show up to shows. I've I've done all that. Like I've lived the dream and I know that the dream is freaking insanely hard. And so there's no easy thing. I think I saw both sides and so but yet, you know, again, it's just, the, it's just, it's just the transition. I think yeah. transitions 
are, you know, it's not to be cheese ball, but it is like the butterfly. You know, I'm sure yeah. like any, the butterfly coming out of the cocoon is, is kind of a scary thing for it, you know? Mm. And so I think there just was some, some, some anxiety, some like, who am I? What is my identity now as, you know, as a mother and as a person, as a human, what do I have to give? And where is my, where do I value my worth? And where do I measure my worth? You know, it was just hard to figure out like wh- where, where I was, where I stood with all of it, I think is just what it comes down to. And so let's be honest. I think, I think social media is where we turn to, to kind of find that right now in our lives. And that's a really scary place to try to figure that out. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, as someone, I mean, we talked off the air that we have a lot of similarities in terms of we're both Gemini, but we have a lot of similar personality quirks and ways that we buffer or numb ourselves. Um, But we also are similar in trying to, there's a side of creativity, of production, of um, ambition, of dreams, and how that fits into transitioning of taking care of your children. And I think you're right, though, social media um, in many good ways can be a way for us to produce, to create, to connect, to put our, our hearts out there. And, but it also has some really hard effects that in, in its time also take a big toll on that same creativity production, um, and our ability to, (sighs) you know, to produce goodness out there. And, I wanted to know how, when that kind of flipped, you know, when that balance went towards more of the negative for you. And it seems like a year ago is when you were realizing that it, for a while you were making those mm-hmm. connect, connections, you're building that creativity and, and producing, um, that side of you that needed to be there. But then h- how did you see that the it was out of balance and what did that look like for you? What in that moment when you realized you again, like you had a, a few years ago, but when was another time when you realized I need to change this, my relationship to this thing? Wow, wow, um, meaty question, um, yeah, loaded, loaded question. I just have to say, really, really quick, everything you just said was incredible about okay. creativity and, and where we yeah. turn. And I, I just want to reiterate that I also feel like this is all part of the plan. I feel like social media is, is, is necessary and needed, but like all things has strong opposition. Yeah. Um, and so I, I agree with you. Like I am thankful for social media and all the amazing opportunities and community that it's connected me and offered me an so outlet through times of motherhood that I felt like this is my, 
this is what I have right now, you know, while I'm in the trenches, while I'm in my home. So I am incredibly thankful. I just, as we're, you know, kind of parlaying into this next question about when we saw it take a turn is kind of where we start visiting the more of like the opposition of, okay, Mm -hmm. it's again, the pendulum is swinging a little far the other direction, kind of like it did with the fashion, the consumerism and this. Okay. I started seeing the effects of Instagram really hurting me long before I did something about it. I would say definitely when I was going through my infertility and I was um, really in kind of a, 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 uh, an empty dark place. I want to say like I was, um, particularly when I was going through IVF and I was on the hormones, I was not myself. My brain was felt altered. I just, yeah, those hormones are real. And in hindsight, I, I understand that now, but at the time, mm-hmm. like I was really in kind of a vulnerable place and I did a lot of, of sharing. I'm not, I'm not sorry about that. I think a lot of that was, you know, I really got to a place where I was extremely honest um, with where I was at, but you know, it was like kind of the lines were blurred. Like, when is it too much? Am I sharing too much? Am I saying too much? But like feeling the need, like, you know, to just show up on social media the way I really was in real life, you know, like just, this is what I'm going through. And so I kind of was going through that, but I also felt kind of tortured by my own perfectionism, which Mm. how have I not even brought that up until now? in this conversation (laughs) but perfectionism Mm. is a huge issue for me yes um it definitely is for probably most of us I mean not everyone but I think maybe you know what I'm gonna take that back I think everybody does deal with perfectionism it just depends on what it is we might not all deal with the same issues of perfectionism yep and yeah like some of us might feel like we just have to be perfectly organized in our home or super like can you know, and on time or, or, and, you know, just different things. Like we all have our different things. I, I have perfectionism issues pretty much across the board. And, um, I feel like going through that time was really messy for me. And so I think what was hard is I would share a lot and then I would feel like super exposed and like it was, and so I kind of like just had a lot of issues with that self doubt and, um, feeling like, who am I? What do I have to offer? And again, just struggles with that identity and what I was kind of putting out there. But I'll tell you what kind of like, I, I liken it to like unbuttoning the top button of your skinny jeans. Yes. <laughs> it's like those high-waisted, awful jeans that we're wearing right now. Like when you unbutton that top button and you feel like you can breathe, uh, like what I realize is like, I have a very, very, very silly side to myself. I, I'm either like, again, there's this Gemini kind of, I sound like I'm really into being a Gemini, but I don't know that much about it, but I know just going back to those, you know, different sides of our personalities. Mm-hmm. I'm either like very like introspective kind of deep thinker or so silly and, you know, just a, a, a goofy, a goober. So um, when I, I, here's another social media platform. When Snapchat came around, I resisted that hard. I was like, no way, I'm not getting into Snapchat. Well, I finally got into Snapchat. And it was during my, after I finally con, um, conceived doing IVF, um, 
I was I was still really sick and I was still kind of in this kind of dark phase and I discovered Snapchat and I think it was Brittany Jepson of House at Lars built who kind of finally talked yeah. me in to, yeah. to getting on. She was like, trust She's me, great. it's good here. It's like, mm. we can just be human beings here. It's so great. And I was like, okay, fine. So I got on and I just started sharing these little goofy, silly things. And I have to tell you, Snapchat helped me find my happy again. Oh, I know that sounds so dumb, no, that's great. but because we just, yeah, these little snippets and like, I feel like it was such a small place. Hardly anybody was following me there. I just, I just could just be mm. silly and, and, and I was in the kind of crawling out of that dark cave of yeah. infertility and anxiety and IVF. And I had a lot of guilt about becoming pregnant and fear about losing the pregnancy and a lot mm. of very complicated feelings. Yes. And for the first time, like I said, I could just undo that top button and start and let my hair down and just kind of be fancy free. You know, it was, and they had these silly filters and I started bringing music into it and, and just dancing and talking sometimes and playing around and like hardly anybody was watching, but I just got to express and play. And it was absolutely a very healing thing. I have to say that was that. really healing. Yeah. So getting back to your question, I just said I have to put that in there because I think it was really what kind of led me back down to it's too much. <laughs> well, that's so the thing though. Like you then, weren't doing a good thing though, yeah. Brooke. Like I can, I started following you when you were in that dark place and I, I was in my own dark place. So to, to connect with someone I'm who, sorry to hear that. well, you know, I think a lot of people, we all go through that, but to see it in someone we else. We do. It's human. Yes. We, we connect. So you were doing a good thing. And then the, and then the Snapchat was a good thing for you too. So it's more of like, how, how did that, how does it eventually get in the way? Like, how does that good thing eventually become not a very good thing? Uh, um, and you're about to share that, well, like what it was for you. Right. Well, let's just say, okay, so Instagram started the stories and it was like, oh no, poor Snapchat. What are we going to do? Are we going to stick with Snapchat? Are we going to go with Instagram? And yeah. And so given that there was, you know, more of a following on Instagram, I felt like kind of like, oh, well, maybe I should come over here, which also was kind of scary. I mean, I started like some people started coming over to Snapchat and watching, but I never really, I rarely told people I was on Snapchat. Like mm. I just went over there to be free and have a good time. And, and really it was kind of just like a therapeutic, just, I, and I actually stopped posting on Instagram as much because I just felt like I don't have to sit around and write, you know, cause yeah. I was kind of going there to write and it just became kind of a heavy be place so for me. Mm. Yeah. And I kind of maybe pigeonholed myself there with doing that. And I didn't, it's harder to show people your silly side on Instagram proper, as I call it, like just photos and captions. Yes. You know, it's like, it just certain behaviors don't seem as acceptable. There's all these unspoken rules and it's like Mm. we're statues there. We're kind of frozen. Well, it's like, stay in your place. This is your place. I'm frozen there. Yeah. They don't like, yeah. And if you don't like, you know, don't stray. Like if you're going to do hair yes. tutorials, do hair tutorials, but like, don't start talking, showing me your children and then start dancing and then start, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so all over the place that like, you know, someone would get, you know, Oh, find out I did a hair tutorial. Cause you know, I occasionally do hair tutorials. I went to beauty school. I dropped yeah, out. I you like know what you're doing. Sometimes. 
I do my hair in my bathroom sometimes. But, you know, someone comes to follow me for hair tutorials and then boom, they don't see a hair tutorial for two months. So they're like, bye. I, I didn't come to hear you ramble about, you know, uh, being an HSP, a highly sensitive person. We haven't yes. even talked about that. There's too much. I know. <laughs> I'm like dying because all the things I can say. Anyway, um, I told you it's just all over the place. But, uh, yeah, basically what happened is I transitioned over to, to Instagram stories. I kind of stayed the same there as I was on Snapchat. And I think a lot of people on Instagram were kind of surprised to see this side of me because, you know, given just Instagram proper, I was always doing deep thoughts by Brooke Handy and <laughs> just getting into the deep stuff. And mm. now I was like, hey, this is a really big part of who I am. And I finally found a place for it. And yeah, I just was sharing there and it was great. It was really fun. It was really, really fun. You know, the beginning of these types of things are great. Like the beginning of Instagram, you just <laughs> share from such a pure place. Yeah. It's all just for the beauty and the love of sharing. And that's what I was doing. And then, you know, it was to share the pregnancy. And I finally kind of crawled out of the fog of IVF hormones. And then I just kind of got obsessive about sharing on the story. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I just kind of got extreme. Like, I just couldn't shut my brain down. Like, I just started just constantly streaming, like, all the things, like, everything I was doing. And before you know it, what are you doing? You're You're looking down. Just all you're doing is... Like for me, like my brain just started going crazy. Like I'm actually really, my, my creativity really works on an improvisational level. Like I do better in the moment than I do like long-term trying to plan it out yeah. like an idea or show people like, that's why I was, you know, that's blogging is exhausting for me. Cause you got to like think months out and for me, I'm like, no, I'm just, this is right now. This is like 15 seconds. What silly thing can I do for the next 15 seconds? And I'm not saying like any of that wasn't real. Like it really is real. But that being said, it really took me out of my home. It like, got you in your head. With my children. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ultimately, you know, when people start paying attention, I hate to say this, but that's just when it starts becoming like a thing and you know that people are watching and paying attention, it's not the same anymore. Mm-hmm. This is really the issue. One of the other issues with social media is, is once you have, a quote unquote audience. And look, I'm a performer. Like having an audience is, is part of the gig, like playing music and, you know, like I won't, obviously I was made to assert like what I do. Like I won't deny that there's a part of me, this, this entertainer part of me, this person who just wants to entertain. And I, I mean, as a kid, I didn't want an audience, but like as I grew, as I come into this role, it's like feeling the need to kind of perform and really, it's a strong force, and you have to really watch it, you know, yes. that, that kind of need. And, and again, the validation or also the, the people-pleasing side, like mm-hmm. worrying about, pe- you know, not being enough this or enough that or, oh, I should have not shared this. Oh, I should have shared that. You know, that's the other aspect of social media, I think, that's obviously really messes with your head. You yes. know, like, oh, that didn't get a good response or not enough people, um, you know, like you know, either there was some engagement or ver- or validation of some sort. And yeah. no one likes to admit that out loud. I don't like admitting it out loud. Like I didn't, yeah. I was constantly was like, no, that's not why we're doing this. We're not doing this for validation, but of course, of course we are 
at That's some level. It doesn't mean it's the entire reason that yeah. we're doing it's a human thing and yep. and for me whenever I caught myself in that that's when I always felt like pull it back pull it back pull it back like you know and also too like you know Dave to be honest like he's not as into it he mm-hmm. doesn't want to be on camera he doesn't necessarily you know he's a he's a totally off my opposite he's my opposite personnel like yin he, yang. he's a numbers guy yeah, he's, yeah yin yang so mm. he definitely has a, a much more kind of you know, quiet demeanor about things. And I mean, he can be super funny, super fun, but he doesn't need to do it on camera. Yeah. And for me, I just, I think I found so much joy and relief and relief and healing and doing that, that it was, it just, it's hard to realize that certain things aren't meant to last forever. I think you just especially with being a creative person, it's like there's all this evolution that you go through. And with social media, you know, it's kind of groundhog day. You go day to day to day and you just keep seeing the same thing, different day. You know, mm-hmm. people, especially it's like the niche Instagram, it's like you just keep, it's just like a recreation of the day before. And I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, that's branding. But for that's, you as, that's a, branding. as that's a, a producer, brand. yeah, as a, as someone who is, a, a cre- you know, a creator of this, and you know me on my right. very small scale even when i have my phone put away i i i feel that 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 mind racing the thinking of the next idea or this thing to share or that or also the right. burden of keeping up with it even if it's not an excitement keeping and a creative yeah it's like the the okay. pull yeah. to to continue to produce and within your own niche and it can feel it, it feels like a job you know and when it shouldn't. Um, oh, it is a job. Yeah. Well, and here's here's the thing: is the majority. Well, I can't speak for everyone. I think if you're following anybody with a an obviously larger following, it is a job. Mm-hmm. It's their job, and I know a lot of these girls. Like, really, you know, some of them better than others, and a lot of them reach out to me, and I, I have a lot of respect for them. They work their tails off at this. They make it. You know, it's a lot harder than it looks. I mean, the engagement, the communication, I'll tell you, like the drowning in communication, the communication part is also, I think, really challenging. And I realized at one point, like, man, you haven't talked to your own grandma in probably five months, yet you talk to these people online, you know, like you give so much of your attention to people online. And obviously they give a lot to, like, they're so kind. And also I think because of the nature of things I share uh, I mean, I don't just do sh- silly things. I still share kind of some deep stuff yeah. throughout, but I feel like people given the nature connect. of what I'm sharing, people respond with really heartfelt things. Yeah. I'm telling you, just really mm. deep, heartfelt, long messages. And yeah. so I can't just hit them back with a kissy face yeah. heart emoji. Like yeah. it's that's I really want to give each person the res- like a respectful, like thoughtful reply, especially when people are talking about infertility or or anxiety, or they're, mm-hmm. you know, being highly sensitive, or whatever things, like, I do feel very, very strongly about talking about these things. I think it's yeah. important. And I do think there's a strong value in sharing them online. But when it comes to the communication aspect, I, I'm just telling you as one single person, and I don't mean this to sound like, oh, I'm so huge, I just can't keep up with it all. But the truth is, like, I really can't keep up with it all. Like, mm-hmm. between emails and texting and DMs and I finally I and we haven't even talked about Facebook I I cut off Facebook because I was like I can't do 
every single form. And also now the way that Instagram is, is really there isn't an expectation to continually respond to every person. Yep. And mm-hmm. for me, I'm not trying to be uh, like a jerk or not responsive to people, but literally what you realize, this is the big kicker for me. You're kidding yourself. If you think you're still, you're, you're either living a life down here in your phone or you're living a life up, up here, you know, with your eyes up with people. Yeah. And to think that you're doing both is really where we're totally kidding ourselves. Yeah. And that's when I realized is just that my, my head was down and I think there was like maybe a day I was like watching back a video and hearing my kids scream in the background at me over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I could hear this then mm-hmm. when I'm in my zone, when yeah. I'm in my, you know, my goodness, yes. when I'm doing the whole thing, one more second, honey, I got to respond to this one more of this, one more of that. And, you know, meanwhile, like, again, like I haven't talked to my grandmother, or I haven't talked to this person who I know could really use a call from me. And at what point are you, you know, and for me, like, also, I'm going to say this out there on my Brooke White Instagram, I make no money. I'm yeah. not making any money. I'm wow. not. I'm not doing this really to make, I'm not like, I don't really consider myself an influencer on girls with glasses. We do more things there to make money. It's a little less Instagram. It's more YouTube based, but yeah, like I'm not making money on Brooke white. Literally I'm, mm. that's like my place to share. And so for me, it's kind of this weird, like, okay, what am I doing here? I, I love to share. I'm putting that out there. I do love to share. And I, feel of value in sharing important things and valuable things and funny things and lighthearted things and spiritual things. I love all those things. But then I just realized it's like that good, better, best. Like it just, at what point was I like joking, like kidding myself at thinking I was doing this and being present and living a life with my family. And that's where I really noticed that I was going, it was, it was taking its toll. And with my, my business partner and best friend, Summer Balesa, one day she was like trying to talk to me and she just said, I just wasn't even responding to her because I was looking at my phone and mm. I would have never intentionally done that to someone. I would not. never intentionally blow someone off or not listen to them. But we just, if again, if we were just to be super honest with ourselves and if we were to look around at any given time, at any given place, we're all in the trance. Yeah. We're in the zone, the fog. And mm, that's a good word for it. Just, just that alone and just realizing what we're missing in our, like our quote unquote real life, which I'm not, cause let's be honest now, social media is part of real life. Like yeah. any time that you're spending, whatever you're spending all your time on, which a chunk of it is on social media is part of your real life now. But what I'm saying is like the people in the physical world, your home yeah. in your presence, in your life, those relationships, like we are literally trading those relationships for social media and whatever we're getting there and whatever huge payoff we're feeling there, whatever's kind of fulfilling us in some way that I guess we're just, for whatever reason, we can't find in our, in our, you know, our, yeah, I'm just going to say our real life, Yeah. you know, with our people. And when it hit me that way, it was, it, it was really overwhelming. And I haven't even like, there's so many more things we can say, Monica, between the comparison, comparing, like, we all know that we all know that's a huge issue. We know that like, it takes huge thought process to like slow down our brains and be like, look, 
none of this is the, the real full story ever, yeah. never. And it really takes a higher brain. And I think scrolling through social media, I'm really into this like brain, higher, higher brain, lower brain. I listen to Brooke Castillo a lot. And she mm. talks about a lot of these things, but yeah, she's helped me dramatically, dramatically. Yes. But, um, and that's been a huge part of my, I think, quote unquote, recovery in social media is just realizing that we really have to be intentional. And I think what's scary about social media, and I'm sure there's tons of like real science that we're going to find out about this is that it literally puts us into that trance-like state. Uh-huh. And um, it, it, there's so many reasons why I think it's it's creating, we're seeing it. We're seeing the effects now. We're starting to see all of these issues, all the things happening to our youth, to our families, our marriages. At what point do we figure out that the cost is too high? And are we willing to put it down? Mm, my goodness. All right, that is the end of part one. Part two is waiting for you. It's already released, ready to go. This is where we get into what this actually looked like for Brooke. Realizing what needed to happen for her was more of a process. And she shares about that in part two, as well as what happened when she did put it down, what was hard about it and what was amazing about it. And then we also talk more about Brooke personally and the growth she has experienced the last few years. And she was incredible. I really hope that you go on to part two now because you know what you guys, if you thought part one was good, part two is even better. So go right after this now and listen to part two. And if you love what you hear, please share it out as much as you can. So many, many more people can take part of this important discussion that we need to have about our use of social media. Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.